Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1942, in the cold desert of a small border town in Texas, a group of kind are kidnapped and mass embraced by members of the fanatical sect, the Sabbat. Out of this group, only a handful survived, and through rituals and mentorship, they became the pack known as the Pale Riders. Representing the Sword of Cain, they are wielded by a mentor to cut deep wounds within the heartland of Mexico to the enemies of the Sabbat. Wars on Fire is a vampire the masquerade Sabbat chronicle that follows the Pale Riders pack that consists of Mitch, a Lazampa played by Adam, Coyote, a Ravenous anti-tribute played by Alex, Eldrick, a Caitiff played by David, Jasper, a Bruja anti-tribute played by Joaquin, Cora, a Shimizi played by Slavic, and Richard, a Venture anti-tribute played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Mitch, you both uh, and Mr. Hyde step out into the cool April evening. Well, he's still getting dressed, right? I mean, he's getting fitted. Yeah, well, I was going to say we're done, but if there's something you want to do before he was done getting fitted. Yeah, while he's getting fitted, I'll go ahead and take an opportunity to talk to um, Jasper. Jasper? And be like, oh, Jasper, do you know, it occurred to me that I had a, a delivery being sent to me that is of great importance and uh, needs to be picked up as soon as possible. Would you be able to gather up this Western Union shipment for me? I'd be very much appreciative. You see him rub his fine East Coast European chin. Like he, he sits there and he's like, well, of course I will. Uh, I'll, yes, I will complete that task. If you wouldn't mind taking the vehicle now and, and fetching it, it it's going to be of, you know, a rather long drive. Are you guys going to get back, be able to get back to, 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 our nest? Take care of it. I'm okay. very sure that we can find accommodations. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Around these types. You see him kind of look around, like, disgusted around the people who are walking by. Uh, and he goes in, he straightens his suit jacket, buttons his suit jacket, and goes ahead and gets in the car, and you see him drive off. Okay. At this point, you see Mitch is done with his suit, and he's kind of standing there. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. Well, minor improvement. Never could get comfortable in these things. It's just sort of tugging at the seams, grumbling a little bit. Next time we'll need to get them double stitched. You see the tailor's kind of standing nervously. He's like, so gentlemen, then, uh, are you happy with the wares then? It'll do for now. Yeah. It'll do. Good, good. You see him kind of like, he, he's standing there politely like he's waiting uh, for, for cash to be brought out. Um, I'll drop like 20 bucks or so. They have 50. We'll give him $50. You see him look at it, and he's kind of like, thank you, sir, thank you. And if you ever feel the need to, uh, to get fitted again, please, tell your friends. And you see him, he kind of nervously is, like, kind of motioning to the door, like he wants to be polite to you guys, but he's having a hard time feeling comfortable around you two. Mm, so, yeah. All right, I'll take my cane and slowly meander out the door. As you guys step out, you see people come walking by. It's around, like, 1 in the morning. You notice that being this f- further north of Juarez, you, you, you notice that the complexion of the people slightly changed to become more Caucasian, you know, more Americans who are kind of walking by, probably crossing the border or the people, the types come to Hollywood and 
and kind of come around here. It's not as grimy or dark as, as you guys found it, especially when you were further south by the area where the black rooster was at. So, all right, scenes on you guys. Well, now that uh, you're properly attired, we should make our way to this Kentucky club and make uh, ourselves known to this Trevor Moreno. That we should. Now, I know you had previously made an agreement to uh, dispose of this individual. Don't know if we've made the best bargain out of this deal. I think it would be wise to take an opportunity to see if we can't get the information that we need from Trevor at perhaps a discounted rate. Mm. What sort of discount are you thinking? One that doesn't involve us starting a war. Mm. I got mixed feelings on that. Can you go into some detail? Well, I mean, we don't even know how much information that this Giovanni has to give us in the first place. All we have is his word. And his word to me means dirt. If we could get the information elsewhere without having to kill somebody and go on some ridiculous quest, I would much prefer to do something of that nature as opposed to starting a war between the Giovanni and the Sabat. I'm not the Giovanni, the the Bruja and the Camarilla here and the Sabat, which is obviously what the Giovanni seeks to to achieve. Seems reasonable. All right, we'll give that a go. But if okay. it uh, don't work out, I'm sure we can. Them. We can handle things. All right, let's go. So as you guys are walking down the block, the Kentucky Club is further west. Uh, as you guys walk down the block, you kind of are noticing again, like crowds are th- slightly thinner than when you're further down south in the town, but uh, still enough to where it's a kind of a mild annoyance, especially uh, with you, uh, Mr. Hyde, walking with your cane and having to, to walk at a slower gait than, than the, normally these half-intoxicated or fully-intoxicated people who are rather rude uh, and from a lower caste than uh, that you uh, yeah. usually like to deal with. Uh, I, you guys, I, I will use one blood point to, to okay. raise me up from wounded to injured. Gotcha. What's your blood so point? It's going to go from 14 to 13. You're more than adequately full right now. So once you uh, guys start walking up, you definitely start telling when you're getting to the uh, Kentucky Club. So the building is, is a white structure. Looks actually to have been freshly painted enough to where even with the with the with the neon lights that are around there or or, or the street lights, just even the brightness of the white just sticks out in the dark. Like it's 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 almost like it's a beacon that is pulling in tourists who are there with the sole purpose of drinking it's like a big welcome sign to these types on the the front of the building on the top you see in green neon it says the world famous like on top and then it says kentucky club on the bottom there the kentucky club being and larger letters there's actually tables like a well you, when you walk up there's like a fence that probably is waist high that goes for about 30 yards and then like 10 yards in that covers the front of the building. And you see there's an outdoor section where there's like tables and people are sitting there drinking, doing shots of tequila, having beer, but not so much a rowdy club, definitely more of a distinguished club where the drinks are more expensive probably than another area. And it pulls in a kind of higher class of people, not quite country club, but definitely not the black rooster types. You know, it was definitely a good investment to, to buy this suit to kind of stand out as a distinguished Texan 
who probably is coming by to uh, to have a drink or, or Hollywood execs, which sometimes would show up here and everything too. So you guys are standing outside right now. You're able, obviously, to, to walk through the opening of the gate and to either go inside or... or, or I'm just going to lean into Mitch and go, look at this. This gentleman is a businessman. Definitely should be able to negotiate some form of amicable solution to this without causing too much trouble all right well negotiation ain't exactly my strong suit so why don't you take the lead on this one i'd be more than happy to so as you guys walk and you come yeah i'll remove my hat as we enter the establishment there's kind of like a double wooden wooden a mixture of wooden and glass meaning like the bottom part's wood but the upper part has like glass windows on both ends so you can see through and as you guys open up you you hear like a not too loud, just right ambience of acoustic southern country almost slash Mexicano music with no lyrics that's being played in the background. So probably like a a, a newly uh, a new technology like a stereo stereo speakers that might be tied to like a phonogram or something to that extent, like a record player, which is kind of new to you. You know what I mean to your types here. As you walk in, you see immediately on the left there's a figure who's sitting on like a bar stool against the wall. He's a slender figure. He's about five foot five, has a well-fitted navy blue suit with like kind of white pinstripes and a white shirt that has a a, a red tie that's tied to it. He has a very thick beard that comes from almost like the bottom of his eye line that that goes down, but it's very deep, a very thick beard. And and you can see like, it's almost like it's been oiled to like almost like an overusage of oil, like it kind of glimmers in the in the light a little bit. And then there's the guy, uh, he looks to be of like probably Hispanic background, but a lighter complexion. And he has he has a dark hair that slicked back to a ponytail. And he's kind of just sitting there and he's you see he has like a little piece of wood and he's like uh, just carving a whittling the wood with like a little knife there. And as, and as you look to the right, you see a huge bar. And when I mean huge, I mean like tall, right? It's tall and it goes back, like it goes from the door deep into the bar, like 50 feet. And it's, and it's made from like a, almost like a really deep cherry wood, you know, that has almost like that deep mahogany reddish gleam to it. And it's very intricate in its carvings. I mean, just like you, there's no way that you can, that you could possibly like follow all the, all the carvings and, and the decoration that have been carved into it. And on the bar itself, there's tiles, you know, like little, like little, I'd say like four by four inch by four inch tiles that are like connected together to be the top of the bar. And they have like, they're, they're very vibrant colors that are on there. Almost like that you would see like from Southwestern art, like, like, like Agua's and, and stuff like that, like very desert colors. And on the back of the wall or in the back of the bar, there's a huge mirror that goes behind it. And there's just like alcohol that's lined up on the mirror. So there's not like, you don't can't see a lot of the mirror, but you just see all this liquor and it goes back. And it's really an impressive piece of, 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 of work. You know, it's, it's almost, it's a very like, uh, it's it, the man hours that it took to create it. You couldn't probably even fathom it. Uh, there's two bartenders working at the bar. There's a, a older Hispanic guy who's working towards like right at the front of the door. But as the bar goes deeper, you see a female, a Hispanic female who's wearing kind of like a red dress, a little soddy for a time, you know, like sleeveless, you know, has a little cleavage to it. 
not obviously like modern day cleavage, but enough back then to, to get Americans hearts racing a little bit and giving larger tips. So if you were to look into the bar, that bar, the, 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 the actual bar itself goes straight in. Right. And there's about 20 feet and that goes back like the long way. And you see that there's some tables and then you see there's a booth all the way back in the, in the back part. But if you were to make a left, there's an opening where you go in and you guys look and see the left, you see there's more like booths and tables in there. So then that's where usually like the help or waitresses would come and get drinks to go in that area. But then there's this front area. So it's almost like an L shape when you go inside of it, if that makes sense. Goes deep and then you can also go left. Like I said, there's about 20 to 30 people in there. You hear like an an obnoxious American. You can kind of see right away there's like this blonde haired guy with perfect teeth. He has like his sleeves rolled up on his white, like on a white dress shirt. And he has his, uh, his pants tucked into like these khaki or his shirt tucked into these khaki pants. And he has like these like about seven or eight people like laughing at his joke. And he's being oh, like all loud and obnoxious while he's sitting there. But you can't see past him, but you can see there's more people in there. So Do we have ahead. a description of this asshole? The, the guy uh, that no, was you, supposed to be? This, no, you weren't uh, given a description. Trevor Moreno? No, yeah, no, you guys weren't giving a description. All right, so then we're going to look for somebody that obviously works here, either a bouncer or maybe the bartender. Yeah, you got the bartender on the right, and you got that kind of like that figure that's sitting by the door there, but he's not checking IDs. He's just like whittling a little piece of wood there. I guess I'll walk to the guy that is whittling. And you kind of see he can sense her, and he kind of looks towards you. I'm going to place like, my, my um, <clears throat> walking... God, what is it? What are the cane? Have yeah, my cane, cane in front of me, so I'm resting a lot of my weight on it right in front of me. It's got the metal tip, so it's kind of like a, you know, makes yeah. a noise when I place it down to support my weight. And I look at him, and I'm like, I do believe I have some business with uh, Mr. Trevor Moreno. Can you let him know that uh, Mr. Hyde is here to see him? You kind of see, he, like, raises his eyebrow, and he gets up, and he kind of, you see him real quick, like. Like finger his knife into the, like the side. There's you see there's like a little holder on the belt under his suit jacket there, and he and he looks at you and he's like, yeah, I can do that for you definitely. And you can he has a he doesn't have an accented English at all, you know. He's like, yeah, I can do that if you can wait here for a second. And you see him kind of like push his way through a couple, not push, but walk his way through a couple people. You see, you see him walking along the bar towards the back end where like said so there's a booth. You guys can see him. He's like walks in. You kind of see his back through the Americans that are all being loud, obnoxious up by the bar. And you see him kind of kneeling, like he's like whispering down to someone. And you see him come walking back to you. And he has almost like a, you notice like he has the way that he walks. It's almost like uh, every movement is graceful, how this guy walks, but it's almost predatory. Like when he's, when he's ducking through these people, not a, not a movement is wasted when, when, when he makes his way back towards you. He, he finally gets back to you. He's like, yes, if you gentlemen would follow me. And he, and he turns around and, and you can kind of see like with him walking twice that people are instinctually now opening a path for this guy to get through. So he slowly walks forward, assuming that you guys are following. And as you guys make it, you guys walk and you hear the loud Americans and you hear this guy go, hey, oh, yeah, you know, and they're all laughing and, and he's like, another shot. You guys kind of make your way around him. And then you, as you come upon, you come upon this table. It's, it's about a, uh, about a six foot, diameter round table that's made of wood nice quality wood and he's sitting on like a booth he is uh looks to be a mixture of races if you were to guess he's probably a a mixture of uh african-american and uh uh, mexican he has uh his hair 
while it has a waviness to it, it's, it's, it's almost like a long waviness. It's not a normal curl that African-Americans have. It looks almost like it could have been straightened in his mortal life. And he has it like combed back along his head. He has brown eyes and a, and a caramel colored skin, but he has a very like a very like wide jawline in a way. You know, like like his jaw seems to have been chiseled of like a rock almost. And he, he has thinner lips, and he's wearing he, he's wearing a, a tan suit. He currently has the jacket off right now, and he has a a, a a white shirt that has like light white agua pinstripes going down the top of it. And he doesn't have a tie on; he just has the top few buttons undone, and he has his sleeves rolled up to like the mid length of his forearms. He looks still like he could probably be like 5'10", 5'11", maybe like 190 to 200 pounds. Looks like probably uh, in his mortal life, he was uh, he, he had a good amount of uh, manual labor. But you also know that along, as you notice, he kind of like looks for a second towards his left. You notice along his right, he has this really deep scar that goes from almost to his temple down to like along his jaw and stops probably like at the corner of his mouth, but it's very thick and gnarly scar tissue, you know, that like from like a deep wound that probably didn't get stitches like it should have. And uh, he, you see him, look, he stands up as you two come forward, comes forward and he looks at the individual who led you to him and he kind of motions in front of the table. You see that individual goes and he grabs like two chairs that haven't been taken by someone that are along the walls. And he kind of puts them for you guys to sit and he kind of motions politely for you two there. Well, thank you. I'll nod as I sit. You see, you hear a deep baritone voice coming from him. It's like, you seem to have the advantage of knowing who I am, gentlemen, but I, I don't seem to have that similar advantage. I like to keep a low profile. He's like, understandable. And he looks toward, and he raises the eyebrow uh, at Mitch, looking at you, Mitch, noticing that you're like quiet. My associate here is of few words. Yeah, the same can't be said for years for either you two, I take it. And just kind of, you see him have a little like smirk on his face. What, what brings you, uh, into my establishment here, requesting me by name. We're looking for an individual, and with your rather well-handed grip of the establishments around here, I assume that you would be able to be of great assistance to us in locating this individual. My reputation precedes me, it looks like. Uh, but again, I don't usually don't do business with, per- with perfect strangers. What, what brings you to my establishment? And frankly, I don't recognize you. We're not from around here, and nor do we intend to stay here. Uh, hold on one second, guys, all right? I got to roll something real quick. Oh, wow. All right, so, Eldrick, I need to know if you guys have the uh, – uh, Mr. Hyde, uh, I need to know if you guys have the book. You can look on page 150 of Revised. On the, on the color scheme of your emotion right now under the condition, how would you describe your, 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 your emotion right now? Maybe distrustful. Okay, yeah, I, I can I can dig that. Probably, how many colors did you grab? How many successes am I looking two, at? Two, two, so you just got to give me one color. Probably light blue. You see, as he's sitting there talking to you, and you, you can tell the figure from behind the bar walks up and sits next to him, this very attractive female, and she, she kind of whispers in his ear towards you two, and he, like, nods, and he looks at her. And uh, he's like, excuse if uh, my associate here joins me. I consider somewhat of an advisor. I feel only make the make the talks we're having here fair, gentlemen. I'm sure with your both your guys' wisdom, it'd be very unfair for me to have someone on my side too. And he just kind of smiles. I would go so far as to say that with his manipulation and his etiquette, that you know, 
his outward appearance does not give any yeah. visual representation to him what his aura is displacing. I see that you're uh, we're part of the same uh, culture, each of us. Seems like you know a little bit about me. First, let's uh, talk about who's this individual you're looking for before I try to find out any more about you two gentlemen. He's a very old individual that goes by the name of Itzel. So he's looking at you, and you see that he, he's kind of, why, why is this uh, person, whoever it is, uh, important to you? Well, I mean, I don't believe that that's of great importance if you don't know anything about him. When, when I say his name, does it appear that he is... Uh, familiar with this name or this person at all? Let's go ahead and have you do. Uh, I'm gonna have you do perception and uh, empathy, and I'm going to have him roll uh, something here to make sure that. And then whoever gets the most will will save. Difficulty six. So I got a ten, a nine, and a five. I will say since you got the higher successes, you can kind of see there's a little reaction. You kind of catch like the corner of his eye twitch a little bit uh, when you say that. I'll go so far to say is that this individual has made a great number of enemies, and they wish to have him brought to face judgment on his what is the word? On his crimes. No, I don't want to say crimes. Indiscretions. I can understand that. Now you know, number proponent of bringing justice to those who deserve it, but you have to understand. Um, it may be difficult for who, you and whoever you represent to be finding him because there may be another group uh, who doesn't have a representative here who's trying to have him not be found. In these waters, one must tread lightly uh, when it comes to such, such matters as these. That's why I've been uh, pretty successful here under the nose of the Camarilla, which you never mentioned who you and your, uh, you and your compadre here represent. We represent an individual an individual with the history of this, with this person. Huh. Very now, interesting. I can understand that uh, you have to tread lightly in these waters. And I can assure you that when we find this individual, that we'll see to it that no information comes back upon you in regards to this matter. So we have all on the table what you want. And, you haven't told me what you're willing to give me. That's what really this all comes down to, right? Tit for tat? Oh, yes. The old proverb. Quid pro quo. Well, Indeed. I'll start with you get to keep this establishment. You see him for a second. He rubs the bridge of his nose. And he kind of looks back up at you. I think I misheard you. I don't believe Did you just you fucking threaten me and my, my own establishment here? And you see, like, the lady put her hand on his shoulder. And a calming gesture for a second. Not at all. It was of no threat, and nor was it intended as such. But you see, we already have an agreement for this information. Only we felt the cost was a bit on the high end. So we came here to negotiate with you to find a bargain. What were you being asked to pay to get the information from whoever you're dealing with before? They're looking to have you removed from the city permanently. You kind of, he sits up a little bit and you see him kind of like puts his hand on the wood table and you just hear like a slight crunching a little bit. And then you see him let go a little bit and you see like the edge of this thick wooden table just kind of like snapped off and it's like went and dangled. I was like, you know what I mean? Like a little handprint mark mm-hmm. dangling down. You kind of see he looks at it for a second, then he looks up and he has like a very intense look in his eyes and he's like, 
Who were you dealing with before? Well, now that information does have a cost. As you see, you see the lady smile who's sitting next to him as she as she's looking at you. Uh, look at her, and he smiles. He looks back to you. We're both businessmen. How about here. this? We are. We are. And he puts his finger up. And I see what you're doing here, and I can respect it, right? Let me tell you this. You tell me who you were working with before, and he's tapping the table. And then, in return, I'll consider your offer. I'll tell you what, though. If you want to warm me up a little bit, and I know you two gentlemen probably have a lot of experience warming people up in your time. You tell me that as a sign of good faith, I'll give you my word I'd listen to your uh, proposal on what you want. I'm going to glance over to Mitch, and I'm going to spend a blood pull point to use um, Obtenebration Level 1. Obtenebration Level 1 is basically I can control shadows, right? I can, okay. I can alter, move shadows around. Uh, I can even use them to attack individuals with. All right. What, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have my, my eyes go completely black. I, I, I want to look at Mitch first because, you know, I want to gauge Mitch's response to this before I go ahead yeah. and do anything. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm look, okay. I'm looking at Mitch, yeah. but I'm also going to let Mitch know that, you know, I'm ready to throw down if if, if, if we have to. Yeah. But it, obtenebration level one is shadow play. The vampire, this grants vampire a limited control over shadows and other ambient darknesses. All the vampire cannot can truly create darkness. He can overlap, stretch existing shadows, create pitches of patches of gloom. This power allows the kindred to separate shadow from their casting bodies and even shape darkness into shadows as something that are truly not there. So basically, I can just like control shadows. But all I'm going to do is just cause the shadows that are already there to form around my eyes. So my eyes just go pitch black. Like to communicate just between you and Mitch to kind of give him a sign, like, yeah, I see what you're doing there. You're not, yeah. like, looking at the dude and being like, Whoa! you're doing no, that no, as, like, no. a sign, a communication to Mitch, like, are we throwing yeah. down or what the fuck? I got yeah. you. All right. So, Mitch, you see that. But it, it is, it is like, an eerie thing, you know. It's kind of like yeah. I can see through the shadows that I create, but other people can't see through my shadows. So you see Eldrick's old face just look at you. You just see the shadows creep along his eyes. And it's kind of off-putting because usually, you 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 know what I mean? Like you haven't seen Eldrick in this nature quite like this exposing himself. Okay. Mitchell clears his throat and lean forward, put his uh, elbows on the table. We, uh, we were asked by some downright unpleasant folk. You might be familiar with them. They tend to leave us alone because they think we're too old, you know, flabby, to be a threat. Okay, who are they? This is odd silence as he's looking at you, Mitch, directly. That's all you got to tell me, man. They're neither members of Camarilla or the Sabat, but they're looking to gather a presence and control here in the city. And you see him look at the chicks sitting next to him. You see, like, his jaw, like, this powerful jaw of his just, like, clenching. And he turns around and looks at you, and he's like, these motherfuckers. And, and that's like, as much he... of a freebie as he's going to get, because I'm not going to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he smiles. Do you still got the shadows going on on your eyes right now, yeah, by the way? why not? Why not? Yeah, since since he's, like, breaking freaking tables and shit. He's, he's, like, smiling, but you can see it's a forced smile. And you can see, again, like, the female has her hand on his shoulder. Because it's kind of kind of like, like you know move back to look at him when I answer, so it's like yeah, yeah. And you see, he lo- he looks at you too, and he's like, "I think it's fucking hilarious." You think it's hilarious? I find it kind of irritating. I understand. 
You know, what's funny is the fact that me and this group that you speak of kind of had an unspoken deal. See no evil, hear no evil. You mind your side of the fence. I mind my side of the fence. You can see when he starts talking. Now he's more rabid. You see like the Texas twang is starting to come out. You know what I mean? A little bit more. He's like, we tell each other, we'll pay the taxes to the motherfuckers on the other side of the river. And we'll keep those fucking people with no manners out of our town. And then he goes and he makes a deal with your type to come over here and try to wipe me out. All waving and dangling some motherfucking Aztecian goddamn vampire in your face for whatever reason your type on him for. And then as you guys are sitting there, give me perception and uh, alertness roll both you guys. Difficulty six. All right. Three for Mitch. I think I'm going to spend a willpower point. We both get three successes. So as he's sitting there and he stops at that line, you're like, it's fucking quiet. And you guys look behind you and you see that the group of Americans who are all like being loud and obnoxious, you see they're all standing there turning and looking at you guys at the conversation right now. And they're just standing. You see at the head of them is that loudmouth American guy. And he's just kind of like watching the conversation. He's like, listen, you got yourself a fucking deal. I'll give you the location. But here's the thing. I kind of knew this day was going to fucking come sooner or later. I've had insurance out there to prevent this from happening. I got one of my people, one of my fucking ghouls, who's working for that son of a bitch's little brother. And uh, I didn't want to know where the fuck he's putting this. They're putting this where they know where this goddamn Aztecian, whatever the fuck they call it, is at. But he knows where it's at. So here's the thing. You see him whistle. He kind of whistles real quick. And you see that the, the figure comes walking slowly, the guy who led you up to him. And he, and he motions with his hand. He's like, give me that goddamn thing. And you see like the guy reach in his pocket and tosses him. And there's like a silver uh, Susan B. Anthony silver dollar there. And he slides it over to you guys. He's like, you take out that son of a bitch's little brother as a sign of a lesson learned. And you go up to, to my guy. And I'll give you one of my people will give you his name and his description if you agree. And you give him this coin. He'll tell you where the fuck they're hiding that thing at. That's the deal I'm offering. That's the only deal I'm willing to give, gentlemen. I'm going to look at Garrett. And I'll tell you one thing, gentlemen. That little fucking corpse fucker, whatever the fuck they do, is going to be a lot easier to take out than this son of a bitch sitting right in front of you. Choice is yours, gentlemen. I expect you'll be hearing from us in the near future. Happy tidings. I wish you luck. And he looks over at the guy who, who gave him the coin. Tell him about, you tell him where he's at, all right? You tell him his name and his description so they know who to get with afterwards. And he looks at you guys like, listen, you go and fuck with my guy and you don't do what we agreed upon right here. You got to understand, gentlemen, I have eyes everywhere. Don't fuck me in this one. I'll just smile and pick up the coin. He gets up and he extends his hand to both of you. I'll put my cane underneath my shoulder and shake his hand. And he looks at you, and he, Mitch, and he does the same thing. Mitch will give him a, a firm, but otherwise normal handshake. Good to see two fine, prestigious Texas gentlemen of our type. We're Bobby, excuse me. Gentlemen. I've got things to talk about. And he kind of motions his way towards the door and he nods. You can see as you guys are walking by and that figure who let you in, you see the American looking at you and you see like these six people behind him. All their eyes all at the same time are following you guys. As you walk out, all there's this eerie silence and you kind of hear your shoes clacking on the tile floor. And until finally you get like to where there's only 10 feet left. And then you hear the normal sound and noise again as you guys make your way outside. You know, I'm going to fuck right. with these guys. Since I already spent the blood pool point to be messing with the shadows for this scene, yeah. while I'm walking out, I'll just kind of have my shadow walk out like a couple of feet away from me. 
like completely detached. Okay, like behind you or in front of you? <laughs> to the side of me. So there's like there's three of us okay, walking sorry. out. But there's one. <laughs> that's pretty you kind of hear like a gasp or whatever as you guys make your way outside it's like the eerie like black and white movies where there's this creepy shadow going along the wall so uh scenes on you guys as you guys are uh, step outside there go ahead we get the information for this um brother that he wants removed he gives you the name of Ramon Pisnob. He's the actually Ramon's the guy who led you to go speak to Marcos. You remember you went to the the Black Rooster and uh, out, uh, and uh, uh, Coyote Road with Ramon in the car up there. And he gives you the name of his ghoul, whose name is Carlos. And they said they describe Carlos. He's like a youngish, eighteen year old looking guy, clean shaven, kind of slim, but has gray eyes. Ramon, right? Not Carlos, or do they, do they want? Yeah, they want you to take out Ramon and then get with Carlos, who's someone who's un, like kind of undercover on his staff, who can once you show him the coin, will tell you where he found out that this uh, Taliku is being being stored at. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin that's highlevelgames.ca please help they're coming <laughs>